everyone. It is Dave and Jeff. It is June 19th, 2023. Jeff, I want to start off by mentioning Brian Curry. Again, if you're looking for a home in San Diego, or you're looking to sell your home, nobody's better at it than Brian Curry. I had someone call me today and say, what a difference. What a difference of dealing with Brian Curry compared to anyone else they've dealt with in the past. Talk about a guy that works for his money and does a great job for you as someone who's trying to get the most for their home. Brian Curry is your guy. His number is 619-251-1588. 619-251-1588. Dave, we have a very special guest in studio. We will introduce him in just a second. But we've been telling you that the World Across Championships are coming to town. I heard today from the airport authority more than 600,000 people flew in today. Just for that event. <laughs> so they're all going to want to live here. They flew in from Peru, yes. Turkey, Egypt, uh, Canada is who I know. So if you're listening, of course you would. Uh, the phone number that you need for Brian Curry is 619-251-1588. Dave, we play the game all the time. If you wanted to live next door to our friend Erica, El Cajon, this is a home that Brian just sold. Your memory is not very good. I know the audience knows this price, but let's see how good you do. Again, Dave, this was a house that Brian just sold. One bedroom, one bath, 886 square feet in El Cajon. How much do you think he got for that house? Remember, you've got Erica as a neighbor. That could be a positive or a negative, depending a negative. on the day. Negative. That's what I'm thinking. I'm going to uh, go 425. 425 wouldn't be bad. You'd be pretty excited. But Brian Curry got you $469,000. Nice. Now, he didn't mention who the neighbor was, and that's probably why the price went up. But if you're looking to move to San Diego, if you're looking to move out of San Diego, nobody does it better than Brian. Give him a call, 619-251-1588. I also want to mention Dan Williams. Dan, of course, is working with Brian now. Look, we're approaching the summer home buying season. Trust me, it's going to get crazy. Interest rates are going to come down, which will drive up the demand, hence home prices. People need to be qualified, and Dan Williams is the guy you need to talk to. Again, Dan and Brian working together. Get approved now, not just pre-qualified. Understand the financials of home buying. Don't get outbid like so many other potential buyers did in 2020. Call Dan Williams today, 858-688-6813, Talk about having your finances in line. Dave mentioned it. It might be that you're buying a car. It might be that you're buying a house, or you just have to repair that credit score. Or you could be like me and have two punk kids that are turning 16 and have a lot of fun telling me uh, what car they feel like they should be driving. <laughs> and neither of them say, you know what, I'd like to drive a 1957 Dodge Challenger. None of them say that. Uh, so if your finances are not where they need to be, again, not only for the house, not only for the car, but just everyday things. Dave, we have a friend who lives in Denver, said, hey, come out. Uh, we'll go to Red Rock, September 21st, see Sting. I'm like, It'd be pretty fun, but you can't do that if your bills aren't paid. So make sure your bills are paid. Make sure your credit is in tune. Give Dan a call, 858-688-6813. Go ahead. Dave, I was just going to say, this has been a show we've been excited to do for a long, long time. A buddy of ours for, my gosh, 25 years who cut his teeth with the San Diego Chargers has incredible stories to share with you about his time worked in the media relations department so he had to deal with us god bless him that he's still our friend uh, scott yaffe's here scotty great to see you buddy how are you yeah awesome good to be here boys i'm uh, i'm still flabbergasted about the we're gonna pull you right up on that uh, i'm still flabbergasted about the price of the el cajon game or house that's we, pretty good we were playing the high low game i was gonna guess three, <laughs> i was gonna guess three million <laughs> Scott, let people know, what was your first year with the Chargers as a San Diego State Aztec 
graduate, how'd you end up with the Chargers? Uh, well, I started with them in 96, and I got kind of lucky. I had actually was working worked a couple years in the Aztec Athletic Department uh, in the Sports Information Office and did that for a couple years. And then I ended up getting a job up at Cal State Northridge to be the football and the baseball SID. They were moving into the big sky at the time. I was right out of college. I'm like, this is great. And then uh, Rick Schloss, who you guys probably know, yeah. a yep. longtime mentor of mine. And um, I'd done some work with Schloss when I was in college. And I'm at, sitting up at Northridge one day, and he calls me. He's like, hey, you sitting down? I go, what? Yeah, of course. What's up? He goes, well, Bill Johnson, the Chargers has called, and he's looking for a guy. And he goes, I think you're the guy. Wow. So wow. two interviews, and two months later, I got a call from Bill, and he said, Yaffe, you're my guy. Get down here. And that was the, that was the story. That is something else. So, okay, so when you stepped in, the Chargers were just a few years removed from a Super Bowl appearance. Yeah, we were two. They were two years out, and uh, it was you know it was a good time. Yeah, know, I thought it was a great time to jump mm-hmm. in. You know, you had the Bobby Ross era. He still had you know oh, Junior wow. Seau. Yeah. You know, uh, you know Stan Humphreys was still you know in yeah. his prime. This was pre concussions, and you know, so I thought, oh, this is great. All right, so I'm going to ask you to settle a little argument we've had on this show for 25 years. I'm a Bobby Ross guy. I like him. Jeff can't stand him. Bobby Ross, good guy, bad guy, great guy. Ball yeah, there you go, Jeff. Great guy. Screw great off. coach, great guy. But it, it was it was heartbreaking because. I mean, I'm a young kid. I was, this was 96, or 24 at the time. Yeah. You know, we lost a game in Pittsburgh in like week 15 that year. That kind of knocked us out of the playoffs. And uh, he gave this impassioned speech in the locker room about how, you know, there's certain guys he couldn't get to anymore. And I was thinking, okay, I kind of, this is like, wow, I'm getting thrown in. This is like one and done, you know, he's going to be on his way out. And I remember on the bus ride back to the airport thinking, Man, this is a lot of fun. I hope they bring me back for year number two. <laughs> <laughs> my my thing with him, at Dave's wrong. I didn't hate him. I didn't buy into. A fan. I didn't buy into when he would apologize to the fans all the time. I was just like, uh, but good dude, very media friendly. As a kid, though, Scott, coming in at that age, what what did you picture the NFL being like, and how quickly did it either get confirmed? Or did you get your eyes open to what the NFL was really like? I didn't really know, you know, and even with the Bobby Ross, I was in his last year, so I missed oh, him. You yeah. know, I was, didn't, you know, it was his last year in 96, so I didn't really get to see a lot of it. I wasn't there for the, you know, the Super Bowl run and all that. Sure. Um, but it was, you know, I, the good thing for me was I'd been in locker rooms, obviously, so I knew it worked. It was just, it was just a different set of guys. So I didn't go in, you know, overwhelmed. You know, I knew, you know, it was like, it wasn't like I grew up idolizing a guy like Junior Sale, where I was just, you know, the the one guy that was actually pretty impressed or was 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 amazing was, I, we were talking off air, and I told you I grew up in L.A. and I was a big Rams fan growing mm-hmm. up. I used to go to games at the Big A, and Jim Everett was my hero. Yeah. Oh yeah. And sure enough, our first year, he's a you know he's our backup quarterback. So that was kind of my you know because I used to go to games and I would drive home and it'd be like, wow, I wonder what it's like when Jim Everett leaves the, you know, the Big A. Like, what does he do? Like, you know, what are these guys like? So yeah. for me, that was kind of like my. You know, that was kind of for me, kind of cool to meet my hero. That is cool. And I was I was raised as as a Rams fan. As a kid, my dad was a Rams fan, and all of a sudden, you know, we're all Rams fans. And of course, losing to Jeff's Vikings in the playoffs or the <laughs> Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> it was it was absolutely crushing. So you're you're there in ninety six. Jeff and I are basically there around the same time. Mm-hmm. I was I was there a little bit earlier before Jeff and I started working together. And then Jeff and I started August first, nineteen ninety eight. Was our first time. Kevin Gilbride, Ryan Leaf. Yeah, first oh two, oh, yeah. first two guests with the first two ones right there at Jack Murphy Stadium at the time, and we're on the field, and we know Jeff so and I are fan fest, right? Of yeah, course. Yeah, fan yeah, fest, yeah. and it was it was a little unusual, okay, to say the least. I mean, number one, where things are going kind of crazy fast in our heads, but you know, it's Gilbride, it's Ryan Leaf, the fans are excited. It's a new wave of Charger football. 
for you guys in the public relations at the time, what did you think was about to happen? I don't think anybody knew that was about to happen at that time. I mean, I think the, you know, the only, I don't know, the only kind of like, nobody really had any indications. You know, we had the number two pick that year anyways behind, you know, the Colts had number one. So we were going to get who, you know. Yeah, those you know, I, And I thought, you know, I thought really that, you know, I was in the middle of the draft meetings, obviously, as a PR guy. But, you know, I really thought that, you know, there was so much hype about Leaf coming off that, you know, the Rose Bowl with Washington State that I'm like, man, I wonder if they're just going to, you know, because Peyton couldn't beat Florida when he was in yeah. Tennessee. Yeah. And you're just like, are they really going to take this guy when Leaf? But, you know, apparently they'd done their homework. So, you know, you end up with Peyton and we ended up with Ryan and the rest was history. Oh, my gosh. Scott, a couple of guys that, that fans are so familiar with, and, and you got to see him different. We mentioned Junior a couple of times. Dave and I had uh, uh, the pleasure of doing Monday night football shows from Sayo's The Restaurant. And we would sit with him and we would see him every Monday night. And it would be very fun because there would be Monday nights when he would come up straight at 6 o'clock and, and he was junior media savvy. There were others when he'd come up at 845, he'd maybe had a couple of shots of fig vodka. We took care of him, but he was just a guy that I think Dave would say the same thing. We loved him. He was very nice to us. The, uh, he bought into the show and then to see him years later at an event shortly before his death, when he didn't even know it was us, it was shocking and it, and it was painful. You had the ability to be with him day in and day out. I'm sure when everybody around the country wanted Junior, that responsibility probably fell on you to determine who gets it, who doesn't. What When you think back about your time with him, what is it that you saw, good, bad, and different, that maybe the, the average fan didn't? Well, what was neat was I, one thing I did, when we went up to tape, Roy Firestone show up, and I can't remember, up close. Yeah. I used to do, and I'll never forget, I went and, you know, this was when I was early. This was kind of a little bit of a, you know, awestruck moment because I go up to him and Gina's house. They lived up on the top of Mount Soledad. And, you know, it was like, you know, I felt like I was, you know, Paulo Cree or Rocky walking into <laughs> yeah. Paulo Cree's mansion, you know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, in the whole ride up, I just like peppered him with questions and stuff. And then, you know, so we, we, we would laugh about that for a long time. But then for a while, I was actually living in a house over by Windensea. And he still mm -hmm. lived at the top of Soledad. So I was our travel guy. So when we would play a road game, I would go out ahead of the team a couple days and then right. handle all the logistics. And then when we would fly home, I'd come home with the team, but I didn't have a car. So a lot of times he would drive me home. Oh, wow. Incredible. And, and I got to see, you know, spend a lot of time with him. I just, you know, remember of just, you know, as we were driving and just having some, you know, by then it was, you know, we were buddies. So it was like more having some real yeah. conversations about, you know, you know, not so much the games, but just kind of how he was feeling and the grind of it and all that. You know, you really got to see what, you know, it, it's a tough game, man. That's why my kid's sitting next to me. He'll, you know, I love football. He's never going to put on a pair of shoulder pads and a helmet, man. I just, I've saw too many guys, guys like Dealman and, you know, Humphreys, you know, the concussions these guys went through. And it's, um, I love the game. It's a beautiful yeah. game, but it's just not for my kid. Uh, my, my favorite junior story is he would ask Dave and I to do shop with the chalk. <laughs> and uh, we would go out there and again, because we had this relationship There'd be all these kids that were lined up, you know, they're eight and 10 and they're all thinking they're either, they all thought they were going to shop with junior. And then if it wasn't junior, it was going to be another star. And, uh, you know, everybody was buddy. What's going on? And I'm like, why are we here? Like they don't, we're the last two guys. They'd rather shop with the mall cop, knock it off. Let's go. 
And he would take us over, and Dave and I would just be dying because these kids immediately, they couldn't hide their emotions. Their chin would drop. Hey, you're going to shop with my friends, Dave and Jeff. Who? And Dave and I just got to cry. These guys are great. And to Dave and I, we just figured out, I'm like, just bring like an extra 60 bucks because they'd have the $100 gift card. We're like, hey, we know it sucks. Now you got 160. Yeah, we got you covered. But he was, he was an incredible guy, right? He was a great dude. In fact, I got a, a great story because you know when I first started, you know, it was always like you know, buddy, buddy, buddy. And yeah. the, you know, I'll never forget it. the f- practice. The first time at practice, he called me Scotty. Like I never forgot that. It was the old practice field at the uh, outside the Murph. But then you know, my this was a great moment. Was we, uh, if you remember, I know they're back to doing it now. But you know, back when we were kids you know they used to play sunday games and then late in the season they would play a couple saturday afternoon games and you knew it was a pretty big deal Mm -hmm. when a national tv game well that first year we played in chicago late in the year and uh we were this was at the old soldier field so the locker rooms were a long way from the from the field and we used to we actually used to introduce our players individually on the road and uh you know we were in soldier field and junior comes out he's gonna be the last one and he goes hey scotty and he tosses me his helmet and I felt like the kid, you know, getting the the soda from Mean Joe Green. Yeah, like yeah. Get the whatever it was the it? Jersey. The, the, yeah. Jersey. Yeah. The Jersey. And, uh, so it was, uh, you know, that was a, pre- you know, I'm sitting there, you know, I thought about that for a long time. Like, how many people are sitting in the f- stands here at Soldier Field and watching that go? How fucking cool is that? Yeah. Like, I just like, you know, yeah, you know. So sorry, I don't know if my left cuss. Yeah, yeah, of course you are. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm sorry, so Anyway, so yeah, sorry, Landon. <laughs> cover your ears. You never hear that. But uh, that, was, that was a pretty cool moment, man. Yeah. And so I got to, you know, I got to do some things like that and be around him, and you know, it's still. You know, it's crazy to think, you know, we, you know, we talk about the Chargers not being here, and it's like... Where were you that day? Uh, actually, when I found out, I was at the Mission Valley YMCA taking him to his basketball game when I finally got the call. But it's just crazy to think that the two greatest sports heroes, maybe three if you want to include, well, Ted Williams, obviously, but I mean, sure. the greatest, two greatest sports heroes of our generation, Tony Gwynn and Junior Sale, are no longer here. And I guarantee you, if they were here, the Chargers probably still be in San Diego. It's an interesting, yeah, yeah that I, is. I think that you know, I think if you had guys like that championing it for it, it'd be. I just, to me, I think it just might have could have turned out differently, just because of you know guys like that. Yeah, it's, it's extremely sad. I mean, it, you know, obviously we're still friends with Tony Gwynn Jr. and sure. and um, it, yeah, we think about it all the time. I mean, Jeff and I could tell you exactly where we were when we got the news about Junior. We we're doing a, a sales call, a business call, yeah, and we literally like just took off. And we were just, I mean, it's still like, it happened a while back and it feels like it just happened. I mean, it happened in what, 2012. And just the other day was the anniversary of Tony's passing. You know, these guys, you know, you just look at these guys as invincible, you know, and you just think that they're going to be here forever. Look at Kobe. I mean, do you ever think we'd lose Kobe? I mean, it's just the, you know, I mean, I'm sitting here and and I'm sitting here looking at the picture in your, in the, in the studio garage here. Yeah. Yeah. Kobe and MJ. And, yeah. You know, it's crazy to think that he's not here either. So let me ask you about being a public relations person with what has happened with the chargers, not just junior, but I mean, I was explaining to my son, who's a big charger fan that the team that went to the super bowl, how many deaths there have been since then. And I imagine public relations, what you guys do, this has to be the worst part of the job of when you have to do a, a David Griggs or a Rodney Culver or yeah. Lou Bush or, or Junior that to have to do these. I mean, it is and it isn't. I mean, you just, you just realize this is real life. I mean, but it, the weird thing is just how many guys from that team are no longer with us. You know, Griggs, Rodney Culver. I mean, what are the chances of a plane crash in the Everglades? Yes, you know? right. And, 
you know, Chris Mims, you know, you can go down, Lou Bush is no longer with yeah. us. I mean, think of Junior, obviously. I mean, think of all these guys that aren't with us. And, um, you know, it's scary, um, you know, for whatever the reasons are. But, you know, we dealt with a lot. I mean, you, you know, we dealt with, you know, not only that, we dealt with, you know, other things. I mean, I'll never forget Steve Foley getting a call that he got shot, Terrence oh, Keel yeah. getting shot. I mean, we went through, you just kind of, at some point, I think you just kind of become Teflon to it and, you know, it was weird because it seemed like it seemed like a lot of these things would always happen on a holiday weekend. Yeah. Oh, wow. And, you know, it was like Labor Day or Fourth of July. And we always kind of joke like, you look, we're going away. I'm turning my phone off this weekend because, you know, mm. just like you just dread getting a call like that. So, you know, you just <coughs> excuse me. You just kind of become resilient to it. Not that you're, um, you know, shying away from it, but it's just it's part of the job. And you get into it just kind of becomes like this sucks, man. Like, I can't believe this happened, but you still have to, you know, you have to deal with it, you know, and then you, you grieve, you know, you find your moments to grieve and, you know, try to process the fact that, wow, this like, these guys aren't here anymore. There's so many guys that, that were impactful. And, and I think for me and, and Dave, I know you have your list as well. We talked about junior, but for us, for me personally, it was Rodney Harrison because when we started, he was our go-to. We probably bugged you for Rodney more Hot than Rod. anybody. Hot Rod was my guy. And yeah. and, okay. and I love when Jim Trotter writes, he's the guy who should be in the Hall of Fame because I 100% agree. Hall of Famer on and off the field. Uh, I'll just start there instead of reeling off a bunch of names. When you think back about 37 and and the impact he made, but, but for you guys, from a media relations, from an organizational standpoint, what did he mean to that team? You know what? He was just, I mean, he, that, that you wanted to find a football player. Yeah. That's what a football player is, but he, you know, he was amazing. I mean, I loved watching him play the hit man. I mean, he, you know, he just, you know, he, you didn't want to come over the middle because he was light and like guys didn't want to play him because yeah. they knew yeah. he was lurking back there. But the thing is like Rodney, He's like as tough as he was. Like he was like the most gentle. Like I mean, he, you know, he still puts on that grip. But when you get him, just one on, he's really such a. You know, his mom did a great job raising him, single parent family, and he is just he is you know heart and soul. You know, I mean, salt of the earth. And I still I still run into him. I ran into him at I was up with a client at one of the Super Bowls a couple of years ago on Radio Row, and I saw yeah. him there. And you know, I love seeing him. And um, you know, we're just you know keep up periodically, but yeah, I mean, he's he was one of the best. You know, I and and Dave, tell me what you think, but Scott, confirm it. The the cliche is, and and you watch, no matter we're watching Giants and Padres in the background without naming names, there are guys that are there and they're playing, and yeah, they're loyal to the Giants or the Padres, but then they get traded and they're loyal to the Rangers or the Orioles. Man, that guy. Uh, and, and again, we we don't hide it. We grew up Raider fans. We we're a Raider fan the entire time. But if there was, a, he was probably the first guy that we really connected with. And and the thing that I always admired about him was, in good days and bad days, that guy was one hundred percent a Charger. Scott, like he was in it. In my opinion, tell me what you think. But but he wasn't in it for the check, man. He was he was in on this community. He was in on the team, the staff. And I admired that about him because you don't always get that, right? Uh, yeah, I, trust me. I still couldn't, can't believe we ever, we ever let him go. And then, of course, yeah. he goes to New England and wins a Super Bowl. There. Yeah. But, you know, John Butler hated him. He hated him. Cause hated he, him? Yeah, really? because he would, you know, he was, he'd hit guys. He'd get a lot of personal foul penalties. And yeah. That was like, he just, you know, that drove him nuts. And that was the, I think that was kind of the death knell right there. It was like, but yeah, it was tough to see him go because, I mean, you know, guys like him, you know, we were talking about Chris Dealman earlier. Like, I mean, you don't find like, those are real football players. Like, I mean, yeah, I worked in yeah. 21 years. Like, I didn't work with some of those, you know, the guys like Ron Mix and some of those guys, sure. you know, in the in the 70s where, you know, early 80s, the Fouts era. But, 
you know, you just don't find football players, guys like like that. Like Dealman and, and Rodney, those guys are just cut from a different cloth. And it's crazy that both of them, well, Rodney was a draft mid-round draft pick, but, you know, Dealman was a free agent and, you know, Gates. I yeah. mean, it's crazy, you know, some of these guys, how they just slipped through the cracks. But, yeah, I mean, he, he was a real, he was the real deal. And like I said, man, he hit, he hit like, you know, like thunder. You know, Tony Gonzalez made a comment a couple of years ago, and as a fan, it, it frustrates you because fans are all in. I mean, fans aren't getting paid. Fans are spending their money to watch these guys. He made a, a comment that 80% of the players in the NFL are in it for the check. There are 20% that are in for wins and losses. And then I listened to a, a podcast last week, Busting with the Boys, and it's the Tennessee Titans guys. And they said the same thing. They go, there are guys literally that talk about Hey, if I'm if I'm gonna be fined a certain amount of money, you're gonna find me missing a certain amount of games until I feel like I made my money back and going up that's the way to get paid. But it's not always about wins and losses. Whereas fans, we wanna believe everybody is all in on that scoreboard and it's not always the case. You just mentioned guys that like Rodney honestly tried to fix the the Ryan Leap situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, look, I, I don't know. I kinda disagree. I mean, I look, you know, look, these guys wanna get paid, but you know, they uh these guys sell it out to play. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like they sit around mm-hmm. the locker room, they talk about money, but these guys want to play football. I mean, there is no, I mean, you see the struggles that guys go through when they get out of the game, you know, and I got a chance to, you know, you be in the locker room, you know, and you see guys, you know, having to take shots before games, you know, and the pain they're going yeah. through to, you know, just to put themselves out on the field. These guys love it. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, and you know, the football is like a, you know, of all the sports, like that was another reason, like, you know, if, the NFL is tough. You know, like you've got, you know, look at the NBA. You got I don't know all the number you guys probably do, but I mean you got 12, 14 players on an NBA roster with a salary cap of $300 million. You know, it's like there's a lot of money going around. Football, it's the opposite. You yeah. know, you've got, you know, uh, you know, you got that money spread out among now it's like 60 something guys with the practice squad guys. So, you've got a handful of guys making a lot of money. You got, you know, a good size making a lot of money, you know, mid-range money, you know, relatively speaking. And then you got a bunch of guys that are making you know, years ago, as the salary cap's gone up, but back in the when I was first starting, these guys were making a couple hundred grand. You know, yeah. if you were a late round pick or a free agent. Well, you're living in California, and the tax bracket you're in. You know, if you're making two hundred thousand dollars by the time you know you, your taxes taken out, and then you're helping your family out, like there's not much left. Yeah, you know that's why there's so many guys that are you know struggle now and in, in post football careers. And the other thing is, like a lot of these other baseball, you know, basketball, these contracts are guaranteed. I don't know if you guys know, but the structure in the NFL, so like say you make a million dollars, it's a 17-week season. That million dollars is divided over 17 wow. weeks. You get that check every week. So if, if it, this is not, this is your salary, yeah. removing signing bonuses, obviously. But if you're, you know, you're on a $1.3 million salary and you get hurt in week three and they let you go, you get three-seventeenths of that money and then you're done. God. You know, and there yeah. are, a, you know, a slew of guys out there waiting to take your job. It's a, it is a rough business for the players. I mean. And then those players ever flash a check at you? They do that a lot in baseball. No, though. they did. You know, they would take care of the, they would take care of the equipment guy. It was always kind of, that's, it was always kind of a little bit of a thorn in our side because it was like <laughs> we were, well, it was just like, you know, you would see, you know, they'd have clubhouse dudes that would go yeah. to the, you know, the, the equipment guys yeah. and the training room guys. And you're like, well, shit, we're down here all the time, you know. Oh, yeah, but, buddy. But, but, you know, the difference was the equipment guys are giving them clothes, the, 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 trainers are giving them health yeah and we're just bugging them for yeah know, bugging them to talk to <laughs> yes. you two idiots you know like, yeah. <laughs> that's true my, my favorite yaffe story i think it was you know where i'm oh, going i know where we're going with this oh, was it st- i was actually gonna ask you when you had oh me on. my god like, it's the best we've reached the bottom of the barrel <laughs> no <laughs> no uh so 
Uh, the funny thing is, what I would tell people about radio is hosting the show is so much less stressful than producing a show. Because producing, I produced a show with Hank Bauer and Kevin Kernan, two alphas who butted heads constantly but loved each other. I love those guys, but they were they were nuts. And I, I would say it if they were sitting here, but so much fun. But I'd have to book a 6.30, a 7.30, and an 8.30 guest. And every night, I knew that if my 6.30 guest showed up, my 7.30 wouldn't. 6.30 and 7.30 show up, 8.30 wouldn't. Like, it would just, it would make me crazy. And Yaffe was my contact at the Chargers. So we were trying to get Stan Humphreys. It's a great story. We were trying to get Stan. <laughs> and Yaff says, I got him. So Hank's promoting... Stan Humphrey's coming up tomorrow night. Stan Humphrey's coming up tomorrow night. And at about 620, hey, you guys know Hank. Humphrey's good. I go, yeah, Humphrey's is good. Scott calls me. Hey, we're probably going to have to reschedule Humphrey's, but I got you covered. And I said, oh, okay, well, shit. Now I got to go explain to Hank. I got you covered. And Scotty, who'd you tell me we had lined up? Wayne Boyer. Scott says, Wayne Boyer. We have Wayne Boyer. And I go, who the, sorry, Landon, who the fuck is Wayne Boyer? I'm going to get killed. Jeff, this guy's a great story. You had John Carney on the team, and Wayne Boyer was the third string kicker. Hank, I swear to God, Scott, I didn't know. I laughed so hard, and I, I told Bauer and Kernan, and they were so pissed, and Yaffe and I are dying. I don't even know. I don't think Wayne got on the air that he night. Didn't, he didn't. But <laughs> we, had to, we had to blow him out. It was just, that was, I'll never, you and I a lot, still, what's this? 30 years. years. 30 years later. Yeah, we love Wayne Boyer, and I'll, we'll send each other the bio. But, I mean, if you can imagine in this town, from a media standpoint, I won't ask you name names, but what was that like day in and day out? I mean, do people have any idea? how many requests you guys were getting on a daily basis. And I'm guessing, all respect to Wayne, <laughs> it was much more 99 for Stan, 100 for Stan, and maybe one for Wayne, right? Yeah, those guys just, I mean, they just they just don't, you know, especially when we're doing those things during training camp, these guys just don't want to be bothered. You know, they're yeah. on the field two days a week. They're in meetings. You know, like, they just don't, like, it was fun, you know, because I used to hate it, you know, we would do these live shots all the time. We'd have you guys out there, you know, the morning show's out there at 5.30 in the right. morning. These guys are showing up. You know, they're walking in, it's pitch black, and they're still wearing sunglasses just yeah. to pretend that they can't be seen because, you know, you know, it wasn't you guys, but whoever out there, yeah. more, hey, we're going to get you on this morning. And, of course, you know, guys, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll be right out. And then, of course, they go in the locker room, hey, you said you were going to come out. I ain't going out there. Like, right. you know, yeah. you know, and so that was always like, you know, the guys got it, but it's – um it's just hard, man, when you're, you know, when you bring guys, when we could bring guys in the locker room, and that was a big fight for a long time, you know, about being able to bring in the locker room. It would have been a lot easier if we could have just done those shows in the locker room because they just, no it's hard to get guys. And it's not that they don't care. It's just they're tired, man. It's I would be like, too. Yeah. And I nervous, mean, right? A lot of those guys could be on, some of those guys got around the bubble, especially with some of those Charger teams, man, that were. Yeah, Wayne Boyer was definitely, on, he would have been on the bubble for yeah. sure if we would have brought him out there. Did, but you yeah. get, did you guys get nervous if you saw, like, Jeff or myself, we'd go up and try and book them ourselves. No, like, no, I didn't care. I mean, it was there was a, some people would get be like, well, why are they doing that or why are we doing it on their own? But it's like you know, at some point, we can only book so many guys. You know, yeah. and right. it's just like 
you know, not to, you know, you're booking all these shows. Like, you know, I give Jamal a lot of credit because for a lot of years, you know, he ran the media list and, and it's hard to do to get guys to commit, you know, and get guys to call in for the nighttime shows when they're maybe not right. at the facility anymore or if it's a, you know, or they're at the hotel, you know, yeah. it's a, an early day and they're, you know, you're trusting these guys to call from the hotel. But, you know, by and large, the guys, you know, I thought the guys, you know, we didn't have a lot of problems. You know, guys got it. I thought we were a strong PR staff. And, I agree. You know, we were able to, you know, explain to guys the reason why we were asking them. You know, it wasn't where we're not asking you to come out because we're bugging you. There's a reason why we're doing this. You know, we're trying to build, you know, interest, excitement for the team, help sell tickets, help fill the stadium. And the bottom line is, look, if we're not doing the media and we're, you know, you're going to go play at the community park with a flag on for, you know, yeah. for no money. So, yeah. you know, the you know, it's hard to make, it was hard at, sometimes to make guys make that correlation to realize, oh, well, shoot, that's why the media, you know, because the media is what's driving the interest in this game and TV ratings, and that's why we make the money we make. Absolutely. Okay, so what is, what was the book on Jeff and myself? And what I mean by <laughs> that is we know there were times we pissed off the uh, public relations we, department. I mean, we were, obviously were big fans of yours and Bill's and the guys who have worked there. But, yeah, we've all, you know, we wanted a certain guest or we, we didn't th- think you guys – we're near, basically important at times. We understand TV was important. And we, Jeff and I love doing radio. And even, there are times where the Charger station, a lot of times we were, and there are times we weren't. But there are times we know we made your lives a little no. bit hard. Was, it, was there anyone like these fucking guys? You guys ever end up like I'm, having those meetings? I'm sure we had that conversation. Like, you know, <laughs> like, you know, we get the list and it's like, you know, I want to talk to, you know, I want to talk to, you know, go down the list. I want to talk to Philip. I want to talk to LT and I want to talk to Gates, you know, yeah. back, like, yeah. you know, you knew Come some on. of that stuff was impossible. That wasn't you guys. We went through that with everybody. I mean, look, I was wired a little bit differently. And I think that's why I've been able to be successful out on my own afterwards. Cause I, I got it. Like yeah. I understand the value of publicity. I understand, you know, and, and know how important it is. So like for me, you know, Rick Schloss, we were talking about, you know, he used to joke to Bill all the time. Um, he's another for people listening. He's a longtime PR guy in town, and he used to bust Bill's balls all the time. That you're not a PR guy; you're a non-PR guy because all you do is say no to people. Mm. And it's true because in the NFL, you get so many requests, and you know you do tell a lot of people no. You blow a lot of people out. And I was always kind of like different. I was always the kind of guy that wanted to say yes to no. people. In fact, I've looked into possibly, you know. There were a couple jobs I kind of that had come up since I left about, you know, would I go back in and, you know, and I always thought if I ever did, I would be up front and just tell them, look, I'm not here to be your no guy. So if you're looking for somebody to come in and say yeah. no, that's not me because I, you know, to me, like, you know, I always looked at you guys as fr- like, look, we always had battles, but you guys oh, are yeah. buddies. Yeah. Like I can't tell you, times, you know, whether road trips or what, how much I love to go out and have beers with yeah. you guys. And like, I understood, you know, got it. So you know, for me, it was never like that. And and I understood what you guys were doing. I mean, could we always deliver? No, but did we understand what you were doing? hundred percent. Yeah. Dave, trust me, Scott, I, I've told this to Bill Johnston. I was like, it took me a long time to realize mistakes I'd made. And I was very thankful for you guys and guys in the Padres that rode with us as we figured it out. But the one thing I would say in this show's defense, and I think there's probably other shows, we were never looking for that gotcha moment. We were never going to trap a member of that team. We always respected the team. We would try to ask questions that were different, try to get him to talk about different things. But, and that's why I would think like today, that job's got to be so difficult because there are people looking for that gotcha yeah. moment. And those gotcha moments ruin lives, man. They, they ruin the players and it, it cuts everybody off. Like the, the funny thing you see now with baseball 
are guys at the podium. In the NFL, guys are at the podium. And Dave, I think back to when we would just, you could just walk and talk to Philip. You'd talk to Weddle. You'd talk to Rodney or Junior and or John Carney or any of these guys that they may be. Fred McCrary. And Fred, like, I'll just give Fred. You would just talk about the game. I would not have a recorder. And Fred would be just one of those guys that would be like, hey, man, this off the record? I'd say, yes, I just need background, all right? Or you could Don't go. get Low Neal, too. Yeah. Low Neal is another guy. And I, I could, we could go to these guys and say, look, do we have this right? Because we just want to make sure we have it right, an opinion. And they knew you weren't going to backstab them. And that was the thing. So, yeah, trust me, 9,000 things I, I wish I had done differently. But at least we know that we never – we always respected the uh, the business relationship. We had, you know, there would be those conversations of like, oh, I can't believe a guy, like, you know, like, you know, whether it's the owner, the head coach, GM coming in, and, you know, we used to just tell them, don't listen. Like, you yeah. know, the thing is, like seriously, yeah. like, yeah, what are you listening for? Like, you know, you guys have a job to do. Like, you're on the radio for like three hours a day, four hours a day. Like, you're no going to say, like, yeah, yeah. you're going to say stuff. Like, why are you listening? Like, you know, don't you, you know, aren't you, if, you know, if it's the GM, like, aren't you supposed to be looking at college? Like, what, <laughs> yeah. what are you doing listening to 760? Yeah. Yeah. What these two yahoos are saying yeah. is like, do your job. Like, let us worry about the PR. So See, like, we used to have that conversation a lot. This is what I used to think about all the time is that Jeff and I, out of everyone who did media in this town, I literally thought we didn't have any ego. Meaning it was never about, it probably hurt our careers. I'll you know, be honest with you, that we weren't, that radio guy with the big ego. We weren't the TV guy with the big ego. But Ten at the same know. time, when you guys <laughs> when you guys put guys on for it, even if it was Dean, that I, my feeling was always Dean walked away going, that went better than I thought. Like, we never, ever put Dean in a bad spot. We never put any of the head coaches in a bad spot. It was always to make the organization look its best. That was always our goal. And I, I don't know if, like, during our show, as you said, four hours, we might have said some stuff that oh, pissed people uh, off. A lot. A lot. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, well, the but guy at, we used to get it from all the time was, was Hacksaw. That, oh, yeah. Hacksaw was notorious. So, we, you know, they'd come down the hall, God, what did he say? And, like, that's why we said, <laughs> stop listening to him. You know? Yeah. If you don't want to hear what he says, stop yeah. listening to him. And so, yeah, when we dealt with, like, Dean was always the big one. And I love Lee, by the way. Don't, oh, yeah. You know, yeah. We did one, of my, one of my guys, but it was just like, you know, he was an example of a lightning rod. There. Exactly right. Yeah. Exactly, exactly right. But, like, even when we would do Dean interviews, it always felt like when he left, I, I would say, Dean had to leave here saying that was easier than I thought. And it's funny, Jeff said something to Dean that was, at the time, was, was crazy. It was really funny at the time to me. Yeah. But Jeff kind of nailed it. I mean, he said, you know, he's trying to get the stadium done, and Jeff said, Man, Dean, if I'm you, I'm bringing in fake moving trucks and I'm doing everything and I'm parking. I'm, I'm just going to try and shake everyone. And I remember laughing out loud. You know, this is like two years before they leave. We, well, and it, it leads into what uh, we're really glad that Scott's here because Scott was inside the building working for the Chargers. Dave and I are covering this story. And really, we started, I feel like Scott covering this story going back to the KFMB deals because I feel like Fabiani showed up around 02, 04. Yeah, like, I feel like we talked to him. You were there in the building. Uh, we'll go back and we'll kind of work our way through. And, and again, you're in the PR. It's just, it's just one man's opinion with all respect to Lee. But there are so many people in this town that are convinced that as soon as Dean took over from Alex, the goal was always Los Angeles. My feeling has always been the Dean wanted to be a hero here. He wanted to be the guy and, and there's a bunch of different things. And I feel like he was for a long time, 
committed to try to make it here. Scott, am I crazy? Or for a guy that was inside, did he try? Maybe he, I mean, he clearly wasn't successful. But in his heart, if we gave him truth to him, did he want to try to make it work here? Yeah, he did. I mean, you know, you you go back. I mean, there were a lot. I don't know if missteps is the right word, but um, it's good to see you got the same gnats in your garage. Yeah. you know, it, it really kind of went back to the 90s, if you remember, you know, when they expanded Qualcomm mm-hmm. for us to make it Super Bowl. You know, it was the joint from Jack Murphy to Qualcomm, and they expanded 70,000 seats to accommodate Super Bowls. And then shortly after, Alex says, you know, you know, he starts rumblings that he wants a new stadium. You know, and then we get into the deal with the seat guarantee. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. So there was a lot of, you know, there was a lot of, um, you know, scorched earth there that was, you know, had to be, rectified and we started making you know we made moves in the right direction you know when we got you know we gave back and on the seat guarantee you know and ended the thing early but still there was just a lot of hurt feelings you know from that and you know i don't i mean i always felt like it was a genuine effort you know early on i you know i don't know i wasn't there was so much stuff that went on um you know you know and then it was the year what was it when was it 16 when i or 15 we thought we were leaving and then we got you know one more year to try measure c to get through so I don't know. I mean, you know, there's both sides of the coin, you know, but I mean, you know, I always really did think till the very end that there was a chance. I I, I literally, the night I found out, you know, I I kept hearing that's going to happen. And then I was like, man, he's going to pull a miracle and he's going to be the hero in the city and stay. And then, you know, the next day we, it was weird because we walked in the team meeting room and, you know, you walked in and, and says, you know, we're, you know, we're leaving and goes through the whole spiel. And then, you know, they, we get done with the meeting and then, the door opens and Georgette's out there. Got you know Georgette's do's amazing, and she answers the phone. Hey, lo- hello, Los Angeles Chargers, and that oh, was my God. that was a weird deal. Wow, I mean, that was like a you know that was when it really kind of. Did you find out the day before? Because they announced it on January twelfth. Did it, you find out call, before that? Yeah, I got a call when, like I said, Landon's sitting here next to me. He had a basketball game at the Mission Valley YMCA, and I remember pulling in the parking lot and getting a call that it was coming out tomorrow, and my stomach just dropped. You know, I mean, it's just like. I mean, you just can't, you know, it's like a death, you know, I mean, yeah. you literally, I mean, I, you know, for me, like, you know, I put my heart and soul in that place. Like, I mean, you saw me, man. Yeah. I, I mean, I was all, yeah. in, you know, Paul Kirk and used to be at the Broncos. Pete Morris used to be at the <laughs> Chiefs. They used to joke, Yaffe's all in. Cause I was, I mean, I, yeah. you know, I, I loved what I did. We didn't make, you know, didn't make shit for money. Work terrible hours. You know, it's a, it's a tough business, you know, working in sports. Everybody looks on the outside, thinks, oh, you got it made, you know beautiful wife, you know, nice house, kid, you know, the whole nine yards. And, you know, people only knew the, the amounts of, uh, you know, therapy and antidepressants I've had yeah. to take through, you know, coping with the, the mental stress of, of that. So that just, you know, that's the part you miss, you know, and that was like, I always thought that, you know, I would always, you know, I never thought I would do anything else other than, you know, be a PR guy with the chargers. What's you know? funny is it's like radio. And you have to go in, and at some point you have to ask for a raise and different things. And I'll tell you in radio, and and Scott, I'm not going to ask you to out anybody in the organization, but I feel like if they had this as a sword, they'd use it. And I remember my first radio job, KSDO, I've told this story. I was a board op making $7 an hour. And I went in and I asked for a raise. All I wanted was to like seven fifty. And the guy, my program director, who's still a friend, is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes down into his desk, and I stop talking. He goes, no, go ahead, keep talking. And uh, I'm like, you know, I'm working this, I'm doing this. And he pulls up a manila folder that's about full 
It's about an inch and a half, and I don't know what's in it to this day. Oh, it's all the resumes of the that's guy waiting to take your job. That'll do it for six fifty. Yeah, that's exactly. Trust me. And it's, they do it. You know, that's the same thing. And the sports. mental game, right? Yeah, because you just look. You know that you know if you leave, you know there's guys lined up around the. How many guys, young guys, would want to go do what I do? You right know, for for, for ten grand less NFL. You know, travel, you know, you're flying on charter airplanes, yeah. you're riding on buses to games with police escorts, you know, you're flying occasionally. You're friends with Junior, yeah, like you just said. Yeah. yeah. You just, I mean, you can't replace that. So, of course, you know, so that's, you know, why you do it, you know, and it's, uh, it's pretty calm. I mean, it's just that, but you do it because you love it. You yeah, know, and, it, was and it wasn't just the Chargers. I mean, when I covered the Lakers, like the, the Lakers guy who had your job told me he was making like twenty five thousand yeah, a year. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and he's just saying because the Lakers said, "You know how many people want to work for the Lakers?" Yeah, yeah. I mean, shoot, when I got hired, it was like I was, you know, they're like, "We're gonna." This was in the midnight. They're like, "We're gonna pay you twenty grand." I'm like, "Great." You know, yeah, I'm like you know, I'll pay you. you know, exactly, exactly, right? You know, but I was like looking back, I'm like, man, I really, you know, that was, you know, yeah. should ask for a little more. Would have, you know, my pension would have been a lot better. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Made a lot more in those earlier years. But, but again, you just do it, and you know, you bite your tongue, and you're careful because you just, you just, you love what you do. I mean, it really is a, you know, a, a fun business to be in. But it's also, you know, it's a, it's a moments business. You know, I tell people this, you know, analogy all the time of like, you know, you work probably, I don't know, close to three hundred days a year. You mm-hmm. know, you're working weekends for half the year. You know, throwing mini camp, the draft, and and you do all this for, for 20 games, counting the preseason. If you're lucky, maybe you get a playoff game or two. So you add that up, that games are three hours. That's 60 hours of football. Yeah. So you literally work 300-something days a year for the equivalent of two and a half days. Yeah. And you really kind yeah. of think about that. It's, it's nuts, you know, but you have to be just – got to be wired differently to do it. Did you write the media guide too? I did, yeah, for a long time. <laughs> Holy cow. I wrote cow. probably 15, and, and I probably wrote uh, – yeah, about 15 media guides, and I wrote them cover to cover, did all our stuff. I did everything. I mean, I didn't have – nobody else in our department wrote or – Yeah. Uh, you know, Bill would help with a couple bios, but by and large, I wrote 95% of that book. God, that is and absolutely I would amazing. Keep, I would keep the stats every week yeah. and update all of our history and our records. I mean, I would sit there on – you know, usually I would start after the game Sunday, and it would take till like, Tuesday morning, but I would maybe get, you know, I don't know, eight hours of sleep in between, and it was – but it was a labor of love because yeah. you're like, man, this is the coolest thing ever, and – you knew nobody was reading that stuff anyways, but it was still kind of cool to do it. I, you know what? I did. I loved it. Yeah, we, did. For guys doing interviews, you're always trying to find that unique thing. Scott, there were a couple of things that happened down the stretch, and and we talked about it, and 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 I'm going to ask you in a minute, as you, as you watch everything and you see everything, you hear everything, when people talk about that team leaving and the revisionist history uh, that they have. But I'm just wondering, because Dave and I – covered that story every day and and the thing that was unique at least in my opinion was yes we had friendships within the building but but we were raider fans and and i'm not gonna lie my ultimate goal was man if the raiders end up down here in san diego and get a new stadium that would be pretty cool and then whatever happens with dean happens so i'm watching everything but there were a couple of different things that happened that we talked a lot about on the air uh, at 1360, because I, I've always said, I felt like that scene in Austin Powers where the steamroller is coming <laughs> because it felt like inadvertently this city was helping push Dean out the door. And the first thing that came up was the poll in the Union Tribune. And I remember when this happened because we talked a lot about it. And it was a poll about the Chargers. 70% of the people polled in this community said the following. 
They said, we're not going to give you any money to Dean. We're not going to give you any land. We're not going to give you a tax break. And we don't think you're going anywhere. And I'm just wondering when that comes out. Again, there's Fabiani and, and different guys in there in that building that I would defer to. But that to me, when 70% of the people say, we're not giving you any money, we're not giving you a land, we don't give you tax, and by the way, we think you're, you're full of shit. I said, hey, we better be careful here. Did that come up? Did you hear that? And, and when you think back on that, did they kind of, again, I'm not, I'm not freeing Dean of any blame. There's a lot to go around. But am I right in feeling like he was a little bit pinned in the corner? Um, I don't, you know, there were so many different conversations going on at that time. And, you know, and I don't, you know, it's almost like I got to a point where you didn't even know what to believe anymore because, mm. you know, we would kind of hold our breaths on like a Sunday morning because that was when, you know, somehow, you know, Kevin Acey would have a story about something that, you know, yeah. got tipped to him. So it was always kind of like, you know, it got to a point where, and a part of it was a little bit of a just fatigue too, because you got to a point where you just didn't know what to believe anymore, even being, you know, for somebody like me. So I just, you know, you just kind of had to, you know, like we talked about earlier about player deaths, you know, how you just mm -hmm. kind of have to become, you know, tunnel vision and just do your job. That, that was kind of what it was like for us. We weren't really involved, you know, we were kind of excluded from all that. You know, that was really driven. You know, Mark was the guy that was driving all that for a long What was time, the feeling so. in the building? I mean, it's got to be as weird. Far as, well, everybody was weird for everybody because, you know, I mean, look, for a lot of people in that building, I mean, they built their lives around it. I mean, we built yeah. friendships, you know, families had been, you know, built around it. You know, I mean, there's people not didn't just invest, you know, financially. People invested emotionally in this team. That yeah. was the thing that was the thing. It was like people didn't just, you know, buy tickets. You know, families were built around going to games and tailgating and experiences. So, you know, for everybody, it was like, it was a weird deal, you know, and as it got close and even after like, you know, are you staying, are you going, you know, it was like, it was a, it was kind of a weird deal, but you know, it got to, like I said, we just didn't, nobody really knew what to believe, you know, mm. until, you know, we got the call that I got the call that night that it was happening. And, you know, I remember when uh, Fabiani joined us in 2004 mm -hmm. and the talk was they're going to put it down by J street, you know, and he, the comment he made, and he was 100% right. He goes, we can build this stadium for $400 million. Dave, that was at, the, that was at Qualcomm. Oh, was that Qualcomm? That was Qualcomm when he yeah. wanted the deal that they had at San Diego State. We were on ESPN 800. And sorry to jump in, Dave, but I remember it all. And he said, we'll build it for $400 million, but I want the land surrounding it, or the Chargers do. And if you remember... It's right when Petco Park got done and Susan Golding had given John Moore's all the land down there and people lit her up yeah. because John cleaned up on all that land, including the Omni, and they were determined not to get burned again. Right. Well, but, and the crazy thing was, the, I mean, we were going to, you know, we were going to build the stadium on our own dime. We yes, weren't asking for 100%. the land. We were just asking for the land, just like same thing San Diego State did, basically. But look what happened, you know, exactly. 20 years later. And, it's just uh, the one thing Mark said though was four hundred million might sound like a lot now. You wait a few years yes, and the price will continue it. to go up. And it, imagine a four hundred million dollars stadium is such a bargain now when you see that SoFi costs six billion. You know, and all that aside, you know the the, the sad thing is, you know, and you know the, you can go down the list of mayors because I, you know, I personally I think you know a lot or all the blame goes there um, for various reasons. But me too. The fact that this is San Diego is whatever you know that whatever we are on the largest city, 27th media market or wherever we rank largest cities. Why the fact that this city 
does not, whether or not there's an NFL team here, the fact that this city does not have an NFL caliber stadium yeah. that could host it, whether or not to host a team, but could host events like Final Fours and World Cups, that to me, it's that's one of the most frustrating things that lives here. That we have an airport right right in the middle of right in the middle of downtown with one runway that you got yeah. to dodge a ten story parking structure yep. to get into. You know, you've got a, a sports arena that's you know fifty something years yeah. old. You know, falling apart. You know, and I don't know if you remember. Well, I'm sure you guys remember. I remember all that litigation around the Sun Road building. You know, oh, yeah. up in, in Montgomery Field. I mean, you would have had to take a plane off, turn right, and and, and beeline into this thing. You know, a mile away. Yeah. And they litigated that, spent all this money, and it's like, why? And you're going to pour all this money and infrastructure into an airport? Like I said, you keep putting. We keep putting money into it. It has one runway downtown. Yeah. Like it's crazy. Crazy. They're, you know, they're building right now. I got to be there Thursday, and there's all construction going, but. No, no new runway. Yeah, no, no, no new, no runway. It's just crazy what goes on. The couple other things on that, and it, and it's it's crazy thinking back at that time, as you just said. We were we got locked in, and the Chargers were really good as far as feeding us guys from the NFL. And because the one thing we were trying to do again was just try to call it down the middle. And I remember a guy who was a pretty high ranking guy in the NFL saying. If you guys go downtown, build it downtown where the Wonder Bread building is. Mm -hmm. Because unlike Phoenix, unlike San Francisco, where the two Super Bowls were kind of in that window. If we go there and if you guys build it there, it it does a couple of different things. Number one, it completes the the redevelopment of downtown. It started kind of where Lane Field was. Mm It comes into the gas lamp. It goes into the East Village with Petco Park. And now if you pick up at 13 to 16, take it right up to the five, we clean up that whole area. But the but the point that we tried to make every morning was the NFL would say without going on the record, if we have the ability to come to San Diego where we can fly in and we stay downtown and we can walk everywhere, we can walk to the convention center, we can walk to the game, we can walk to the gas lamp and have dinner. Events at Petco Park, right? We're going to be here every four years. It makes too much sense for us to do it. And then the guys, um, Adam Day and uh, Stieg and all these other guys that are part of that, no offense to any of them, but they start pushing Mission Valley. And, and the NFL is like, what are these guys doing? <laughs> like we literally just said, we'll be there every four years for the money. Scott, I, I don't know. Like you said, I, I guess you guys are just trying to do your day to day. But did you hear the same thing from the NFL that going downtown and kind of being close to Petco felt like the natural fit? I mean those 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 conversations were taken taken uh, <clears throat> place at a much higher pay grade than mine. So mm. I mean, obviously, you know, I'm reading and hearing the same stuff you guys. But sure, yeah. You know, I mean, look, there were you know looking back, like I can't even you know you mentioned J Street, like I can't even remember there were you know we talked about Oceanside, like there were so many like sites that were bandied around and you know just i don't know still still surprises me that you know we just that one of them didn't just get done you know what about okay now it gets announced and you're in that building you're a guy there in san diego and you're watching the jerseys being burned on that sidewalk right where how many different times we just have a, a bullshit session while we're picking up media guides or the black uh, the black book and different things. I'm just wondering for you guys that went there day in and day out, what was that like as you were watching the city? Absolutely, I, I wouldn't say riot, but protest in a way that is very uncharacteristic for this community. 
And they're doing it right in front of where you go to work every day. Well, it was kind of, it was a weird day because right after the announcement, um, you know, Dean, Mark, a bunch of guys, Bill, they all went up to LA and they did a big, they were doing a bunch of meetings and, and media stuff up there. So I was actually, the only, there were very few people left in the building down here and we just hired Anthony Lynn. So it was pretty much just like me and a Lynn, you know, in the building. But, I remember we were talking, I, you know, I sat there in my office and, you know, watched you know, watch the whole thing as people are coming, dropping their jerseys, setting them on fire. Because you're looking right the, down, the right? The funniest thing was, this was like, this was so embarrassing, was there was actually, you know, you got one group that's coming in and dumping jerseys and stuff, and then there were other people that were going in through and picking jerseys out of the like, what are you doing? I'm like, what is this, Goodwill? Like, come on. Like, there were literally people going, like, yeah. damn, that's a nice jersey. I'm going to take that. Like, I'm literally watching this. I'm like, I can't believe what I just saw. I'm telling, I'm texting my wife. I'm like, you're not going to believe what's going on out here. But it was, um, yeah, it was tough. I remember seeing guys like uh, Steve Fiorina out there, Artie Ojeda, who just retired, you know, all yeah. the is out there. And and it was weird because, like, I wasn't really, like, supposed to go out there, you know, because, you know, of course, everybody wants to get a sound bite. And I finally just said, F it, I'm going out there just to see those guys just because, you know, it's miserable. You know, yeah. you're sitting in there and you're just watching. Like, it's like I never thought I would have to go through a day like that. And, you know, of course, it's a, you know, kind of a cold, gray, rainy day when it's yeah. happening. It is just, man. I don't wish that on anybody. Anybody that no. did what I did and, and cared about it as much as I did, you don't ever want to have to go. Have you like driven by there at all? You've been by there yeah, recently? Yeah, I drive by every once in a while. It's yeah, weird, right? I, I drive, a little bit. I mean, I just, when I drive by, actually, I just drove by recently. And, um, you know, what I miss is I used to go in, we, they used to, let, we had free reign. We used to be able to go use the weight room and go out on the fields. And I used to go in a lot of times on the weekends, just go get in the gym, get a pump in or get on the treadmill, go for a run. And yeah. I spent a lot of time there, man. And that's what I was like, you know, I drove by, I was like, damn, you know, I miss going to the gym and having it to myself and just cranking up the radio as loud as yeah. I wanted it. And, you know, hopping in the cold tub or going out in the pool and going for a swim or shooting baskets. Like, you know, remembering where the tent was where we yeah. could eat out on the basketball court. That's the stuff that I missed. And, um, you know, I, there was an event, some of the, the police department did some sort of an event recently. And I think the Padres were involved and they did it at Chargers Park. And I, I heard a couple of media guys that were there. I think Bill might've gone there too. Uh, but I would have been probably weird to be there. I mean, part yeah. of me'd love to go back in the building and just walk up by my office. And, uh, but you know, it's, I mean, you can't, at some point you got to look forward, you know, and those were a great, that was a great chapter of my life, 21 great years, but I've, you know, I've moved on and, you know, love what I'm doing now. And, and, you know, I don't don't have any regrets about the way it ended. You know, so a couple of things going to, you know, the, before the announcement was you, you mentioned the politicians for a little bit without naming names. It was very frustrating for, you know, Jeff and I. I mean, yeah, and I'll, I'll mention the names. Mayor Faulkner, who was ridiculous, more on offense than any politician I've ever seen in my life, where he was going to sway whichever way was more popular. And, man, he stood on the fence longer than anyone I've ever seen. Scott Sherman drove me crazy. But Scott Sherman was sitting there going, hey, if the Chargers leave, I'll be on a plane to Jacksonville to bring the Jaguars back. That drove me crazy, too. The other day, I saw Scott Sherman on TV, and it's said Scott Sherman, fisherman. It was like, you know, I'm no. saying, no <laughs> District 7. They want to talk about fishing during the holiday weekend. And I'm going, this is a joke. But my biggest thing that bothered me, Scott, was the fact that if the Chargers left, meaning that if the NFL left, that we weren't going to be considered a major city anymore. That's how powerful the NFL is. And people could say, let them leave. People get, you know, get them frustrated. They're calling us nonstop. Let them leave. I'm like, you don't understand. Dean still yeah. owns the team. You can hate Dean all you want. Guess what? He holds what you love most on yeah. Sundays. And when you used to come down to this area where we are right now, every truck had the back window of a lightning bolt. You saw them all over town. This town was a Charger town, more than a Padre town. Jeff said it for the all along. 
when I first started doing radio with them. This is a Charger town. This is a football town. And to see it disappear is is devastating. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, like I said, still just, you know, there was so much stuff that, you you know, talk about and hear. And, and again, like I said, you just didn't know what to believe. But it's just, uh, yeah, it, it's pretty wild. This, like, I don't know. I mean, I, I actually lost the point of the question when we were first, you know, when you were first saying, but it was, you know. Politicians. Well, yeah. Politicians and that this isn't, a, it doesn't feel like a major city without an well, NFL oh, that team. that's where I was going. I was like, you know, it was, it was weird because, you know, we were a city that had, you know, we hosted Super Bowls. We mm-hmm. had World Series here. And then all of a sudden the Chargers leave. And then it seemed like every, like, second and third tier sport started showing up in San Diego. Like we had the AAF, you know, show yeah. up. And, yep. You know, and, and it was like all of a sudden we went from being the city that had Super Bowls and World Series to all of a sudden we were like the Des Moines of the West Coast. Like, you yeah, know, I mean, granted, we still Mayberry Padre, by the beach. Was, yeah, I've said exactly. forever. But it was like that was kind of weird, you know, but I love what we're doing in this city now. And this city, you know, the, the you know, for the owners, the, the people like I'm, you know, I'm doing the working on the world lacrosse, which we talked talked about a little bit. You got guys like Joe Sy getting behind that. Yep. I just heard that Stan Kroenke, how ironic is that, that Stan yeah, Kroenke's going to come in and put his money in behind the, the midway plan with that yep. you know and you've got mls coming here you know you've got the um you know the san diego wave look what they've done you know landed donovan with the loyal you know the san diego legions another client of mine they're about to, they're on the cusp of winning a major league rugby championship so nice. it's great that this city has become you know open itself up to because san diego really is you know we have the olympic training center here it is a very much an olympic minded city and we have all these other great sports here and i think it's awesome that we're doing that yeah i tell you it, rebounded it, it, well yeah, I mean, Dave Dave said it. Uh, when Faulkner, the Chargers leave on Wednesday, and on Monday he's arm-in-arm arm with Soccer City, you're like, dude, this guy, he's the biggest dope we've ever met, and 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 it's terrible. And, and we continue. I mean, we voted all these guys in. We would, we would vote in guys in this town, like Bruce Henderson and Richard Ryder and Mike Aguirre. And all these guys that you really had a question, were they in it for the city to do the right thing or were they in it for their own? When you show me a politician who's in it for the city and not right. themselves, yeah. Yeah, and, and attorneys and different things else. But, yeah, I mean, for those of us that were lucky enough, uh, I mean, just watching Qualcomm get get torn down, right? And, and thinking about really growing up in that building as a kid, being there in 84 for Padres and Cubs, being lucky enough to be on the field when the – uh, and from a media standpoint, when the Chargers came back from Pittsburgh, all those different things, and then you're watching a land mover knock that thing down, you're like, holy cow, it, they should be knocking it down, getting ready for the brand new stadium, whatever the case may be. Well, Scotty, we can't thank you enough. He did mention. Let's talk about what's coming up. The World Lacrosse Championships. Yeah, World We're incredibly excited. I, I've been hyping this. And people are like, why are you doing it? And, and I'll tell you why. One of my closest friends. Uh, Dr. Joe Carlo out of Toronto, she is trained NHL players for her entire career. And one of the hockey players she trained uh, transitioned from playing hockey to playing lacrosse and ended up on Team Jamaica. And we did not realize until a couple of weeks ago, the goaltender for Team Jamaica, Nathan McPeak, is from here at East Lake High School. And she said to me 18 months ago, she's never been to San Diego. And she said, hey, I think I'm coming. The World Lacrosse Championships are there. And she said, I know Team USA will get a lot of pub and and Team Canada will get a lot of pub. But she said, my team's really cool. And we guys support Team Jamaica. I said, absolutely. 
absolutely. The Jamaican bobsled team for crying out loud. Right, right? Exactly, yeah. Scott. And so they were out today at San Diego State. They're walking around San Diego State. They're at the taco stand and they're taking pictures with fans. They're meeting everybody. So Dave, we couldn't be more excited to support this event. Everybody at the World Lacrosse Championships have been great, but Scott, uh, I know you're helping out locally. What can we tell people about the event? Yeah, no, it's going to be a lot of fun. 30 countries coming here. Uh, the U.S. and Canada are obviously the two, you know, top countries, teams, you know, in, in lacrosse internationally. The Americans have either won or been in the finals 13, all 13 previous world championships. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun. It's it's 11 days of, of lacrosse with, uh, over a hundred games. Wow! All these thirty different countries, and then you know we got the opener at uh, on coming up. Let's see tomorrow night. The opener yeah. on uh, it's or two nights from now. It's Wednesday Snap, Wednesday night at Snapdragon, um, and then they'll be back there for the for the uh, semifinals, and then the bronze and gold medal matches. And um, you know we just be remiss if I didn't say something about you know we talked about Snapdragon. I think it's great that you know obviously it's not Qualcomm. Qualcomm needed to be knocked down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even. I loved going there when we were working there, but I would go to games, see Aztec games afterwards. I'm like, what is wrong with you? you know, I used yeah. to think it was beautiful when I was working with the Chargers. And I would go to game. I'm like, I can't believe this place is still up. <laughs> but uh, they've done a great, they did a great job with Snapdragon. It's great for hosting events like, you know, the World Lacrosse Championship. It's bringing events like that here. Teams are going there. It's going to bring the MLS, you know, the San Diego Legion rugby team moved there. You know, they moved over there. Uh, what's neat about Snapdragon, I actually wasn't able to make an Aztec game as an alum this whole year. But when I went, the first time was when I was with the Legion, and I walked around, and, and I'm not saying this is ever going to happen, but what I was felt good about was the way they built that stadium. They left enough room that if somebody ever did want to bring an NFL team here, you could put another 20,000 seats and make that into an NFL stadium. I'm not saying that's going to happen. may not happen in our lifetime. may not yeah. happen in his. But, you know, that to me, that's exciting to have that building and having events like the World Lacrosse Championship, you know, just – justifies it that we did finally do something right in san diego well there'll be 15 of us i i put the call out a lot of you drug your feet so tickets are available at world lacrosse championships <laughs> but there's lax world lax 23.com is that where it is scott yeah. world lax 23 it's 23 or 2020 it's one of those if 2023 doesn't work 2023. <laughs> yeah but uh there's gonna be so many great teams here but we're super excited. We're going to be out there Thursday night supporting our friends, supporting East Lake Zone, Dave. Uh, Nathan McPeak, his father's coming out. That's and a cool. uh, uh, big member of the community, uh, pleasure to meet Mr. McPeak and our, our friend Dr. Joe Carlo and everybody out there. So, Scotty, congratulations. And uh, always great to see you. And thanks for coming down and sharing some Charger yeah, stories. Good to see you, fun. Landon. Appreciate you coming down. What do you say, Landon? Thank you. <laughs> what a great Not kid. my 12-year-old sidekick what a great with kid. me. But, no, I, you know, I'll just wrap it up by saying it's nice to see San Diego on the rise. You know, I think we yeah. got kicked, kicked when, when the team left. And, you know, like I said, everybody seemed like they were preying on San Diego. But I think cities rebounded nicely. And I'm sure glad I'm still here. Yeah, we're glad you're here too, buddy. Great to see you. Belated happy Father's Day to you. Thank you very much. Hey, Jeff, want to mention the guys over at TaylorMade Pools. There's one guy. It's Alan Taylor. He's the guy. That's why it's called TaylorMade Pools, not TaylorMade and Friends. I was up in uh, (laughs) Temecula. Yeah. And there's somebody advertising. They had a banner up, TaylorMade Pools. I looked at the number. Didn't like it. I just tore it down. (laughs) 
<laughs> we're sponsoring the local little league. Yeah, I just tore it down, crumpled it up, I like and just it. kicked it down the street. That's how you roll. That's how team yeah. members do it. Yeah, change your name, pal. <laughs> Alan Taylor's your guy right there. He's the one making the best pools in San Diego County. Again, give him a call. Ask him about available financing. So many great pools out there. Six one nine four four nine four four five two. Six one nine four four nine four four five two. So uh, we mentioned with Scott Yaffe here, Team Jamaica's in town. Yeah. And I invited Alan and Amy to the game. He goes, hey, well, why don't we just have them over to the house for a barbecue and a pool party? I'm like, Alan, there's 35 people. Yeah, all right. We'll probably just have to barbecue. I was like, no. I'm like, my tab at Iowa Meat Farms would be $9,000. World-class athletes, Dave, what do they eat when they're 6'3", 225? A lot of food. Yeah, probably not two hot dogs. (laughs) And a bag of chips. Uh, but that's why we love them, man, because not only do they build the best pools in San Diego, best pools in California, but, man, when we have friends come in, uh, friends or family around here, Alan and Amy believe it, and they were ready to go. I was telling uh, Joe Carlo, I'm like, I think he would have hosted. <laughs> he would have. Yeah. Can you imagine us rolling out there with 35 Team Jamaica LaCroix? No. We'll see you at San Diego State Thursday night. We'll give you directions where you can get rolled tacos. We're not doing that. But, um, man, uh, weather, we were a little concerned with the event starting on Thursday. Is that right? Well, I mean, the weather, the way it's been, Jesse Agler said it on the radio the other day. He goes, hey, it's our second straight day of sun. And he said, if you're visiting, you're probably like, yeah, okay. And he's like, if you live here, you know exactly what I'm talking exactly about. Right. But, man, the weather the last couple of days has just been absolutely perfect. And uh, I bet a lot of you are looking around going, oh, man, summer vacation, right? Traffic's yep. picking up a little bit. State prices are picking up, airlines and everything else. Uh, still not too late to get on the, the list. Just give Alan a call, 619-449-4452. All right, Jeff, who's going to call when the shit hits the fan? I'll right. T- tell you what, I'll give you the answer right now. It's Fabian and Miguel. They've written more than 20,000 bonds, so you know you're in good hands. Look, if you're in a situation like this where you're like, what do we do? It's bright bail bonds. And look, Fabian Miguel, they'll take care of you. They're professional, confidential, caring, non judgmental, available 24 7, any jail, anytime in California. Again, it's bright bail bonds. This is the number that should already be in your phone 888 669 0295. I'll give you that number again 888 669 0295. Yeah, other day, guy's just hanging around, driving the bus. He's waiting for the Pirates. He's in Chicago. Hey, I'll be there in uh, six weeks. Six weeks from tonight, I'll be in Chicago. There you go. I know what it's all about. You find yourself down there in Wrigleyville. Maybe you drop into Murph, say I'll have one natural. Oh, that's cool how they pour it in the paper cup. Yeah, well, let me have two more. That won't hurt nothing. <laughs> and then next thing you know, this guy determined he's going to get in the old team bus, drive the Pirates up to Milwaukee. Guess what that was? That was a bad decision. Guess what happened to him? He ended up in the old Gray Bar Motel. Guess what he wasn't able to do? Call Fabian and Miguel, because I guarantee you he didn't have the number in his phone, but he should have, or his friend should have. So if you have a friend that makes bad decisions and they're going to call you, you can make the best decision by calling Bright Bail Bonds. Fabian and Miguel are our guys, 888 888- Six six nine zero two nine five. Like we said, serving all jails in Southern California, twenty four seven, and has been doing it for a very very long time. There you go. Speaking of uh, the Pirates, I was at the yeah. Giant Dodger game yesterday. Yeah, how'd that go? 
Well, Giants kicked the shit out of them, but oh, according to the lady in front of me, she, when she turns to her daughter, I cannot believe the Pirates are this good. Oh. And her daughter just looks at her. What I, hope the daughter, I hope the daughter was driving. You <laughs> may want to so, give her Fabian and Miguel's said, number. They're so pissed at her mom. What the fuck did you just say? Yeah, what do you got there in that Slurpee? It's fucking Giants, mom. Idiot. Jesus. Idiot. Can you, oh, I, remind <laughs> yeah. guys, I got to tell you a story. Go ahead. I got to tell you this. I leave here last Thursday night. Okay. Have I told you this story? I leave here last Thursday night. My God, Mike Yastrzemski just hit a ball. Second one of the night. Gone. That's it. <laughs> That's it. Now get the fuck out of here. <laughs> nah. Well, if the pods can get the fuck out of here, we'll be right back with the postgame show. Um, so Thursday night, I leave here, and... Uh, I want to get something to eat. It's like 10 o'clock. I haven't eaten since, I realize I haven't eaten since like 11, but I didn't want to go get fast food. Yeah. I'm kind of wired. We've done the show. I go, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go to Denny's. So I go to Denny's, Dave, by the sports arena. Man, oh man. You talk about the people watching there. What I'm about to tell you, every part of this is 100% true. So I go in, I'm just sitting at the booth. I put an order in just to grab something to eat. And I start reading my book. Yeah. A woman and her mother walk in and the woman, they look like they're right out of the Poway PTA. Uh, the woman's probably fifties. The mom's probably seventies mom, gray hair. Okay. Looks like she's out of central casting. She probably played the grandmother on the OC. Yeah. The mom looks like she probably played the neighbor on the Connors. Okay. They sit a booth one to the left of me and one back. Okay. So I'm probably at two o'clock there at seven o'clock. So I'm sitting there and I'm reading my book. And again, this is like 1030 last Thursday night. And I hear, you know what, mom? I'm going to tell you something. You need to shut the fuck up. <laughs> and I go, what? And I go, what? And I'm texting my sons. Yeah. And I'm like, this lady just told her mother that mom needs to shut the fuck up. And like, my hands are shaking, but my back is to them. Yeah. And the mom goes, oh, really? You know what? How about this? How about you shut the fuck up? Now I'm like, oh, my God. Grandma just told mom, shut the fuck up. Yeah. My sons are like, what? Now they're saying it in voices where it's not Michael Keaton in the other guys. Yeah. Where it's that loud whisper, but yeah. they're saying it. They're not yelling at each other. Yeah. Now both feelings get hurt, so it's quiet for a few minutes. And the daughter said, you know, I can't believe what you just said. You know, for me, I've been putting up with your bullshit for so long. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, God, it's hard again. It's hard it's again. Right I'm texting alley. my sons. Yeah. And the mom's like, oh, please. It's about right here. The daughter goes, no, I'm just telling you, just shut the fuck up. And uh, I'm like, oh, my God, Dave, this is going for like 10 minutes. And the mom's like, Me, no, I'm not going to. You need to shut the fuck up. And the daughter goes, okay, you know what, mom? Fuck it. It's fucking done. Pay for your own fucking Uber ride. Oh, shit, that would hurt. So then I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> Grandma just got cut off from Uber. Dave, I'm like crying. My book is not open at all. I'm doing a horrible job of trying to blend just in. live tweeting at Denny's fight. Right. I'm trying to figure out, is there a way I can get a picture? Like, <laughs> under the armpit, I can do anything. Now, I see, and as a friend of mine at work asked, 
They were not anything but Caucasian. Because a friend of mine at work. Oh, they went race. Yes, what race it was? Well, because a friend of mine, my friend Mel at work is black. Yeah. She's like, and she started to say it. I go, I'm going to cut off your joke. They were as white as us and as big of an idiot. She goes, that's a pretty big claim. And so uh, now the daughter walks in. Yeah. Granddaughter. So I text my boys. I go, oh, now it's about to heat up because now we're going to have the three-way do do The granddaughter slides in next to the mom, and I'm like, okay, she's going to side with somebody, and so, there's going to be crying. I said, somebody's going to cry. Son of a bitch, grandma and mom now act like they're best friends. Oh, really? Because they don't want the daughter to know. They've been fighting. So they're telling jokes and laughing, and I'm like, I'm going to go snitch it out. I'm going to go, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Shut up. You just told this one oh boy. that you're cutting off her Uber rides. And you don't sit there with that little smirk. You told your beautiful daughter, shut the fuck up. What's the matter with you? How, two? how old was everybody? What do you think? Like I said, I think mom was probably 70. Okay. How old's the, the granddaughter? 20s. Okay. But they didn't want the grand. No, yeah, not like the granddaughter is like business. seven. Yeah. Okay. Well, I imagine she walked in by herself. Yeah. She's an adult. And uh, Ubered over. What's that? She Ubered over. Uh, probably. Who paid for that? Right. <laughs> they just all ordered moons over Miami, and, and I guess it was it. But I was like, that's the craziest shit I've ever seen. The thing is, have you ever told someone to shut the fuck up, and they do shut the I've fuck up? I've never said it to my mom. No, but have I've you ever, said- like, literally, if you were to say shut the fuck up, nobody really shuts the no. fuck up. No, not at all. I, you know, it's funny you say this, that you bring it up this way. My my college roommate, like literally, like one or it was either day one or number day two, living yeah. with this guy. Yeah, and I've known him my whole life. You know him too, Matt. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Love him. <laughs> literally, we're sharing a room in San Diego State. Yeah. And I'm talking to him. Lights are out. I'm talking, and he just goes, "Hey, why don't you shut the fuck up?" All right. He <laughs> says to me. <laughs> and dude, I got up and I fucking punched him as hard as I could right in the chest. Well, it's dark. He yeah. could defend himself. You trying to yeah. kill a guy? Well, he, You're real tough. You know what? And it's funny. I, I talked to him recently, and he said to me straight out, I go, how you feeling? And we're talking about, he's like, he's talking about prostate cancer. And she goes, yeah. I'm pissing six times a night. And I said, he goes, you have those issues? I go, I don't. And he goes, but I'll be honest with you. I've never felt 100% healthy since that day you punched yeah. me in the chest. Good. He's like, he's blaming me for shit. He should. That happened 30 years ago. You. Fuck, you're like Dana White. Who, who blames the mascot. Well, I don't know why he's getting into it with Conor McGregor. Instead of blaming Conor for landing the punch, yeah. Dana White. Yeah. You, you and Dana would yeah. be good buddies. I'm like, dude, what are you talking about? Shut the fuck up. You literally asked me a question. I answered it. And you dropped shut the fuck up. So you just hit a guy in the dark. I did. As hard as I def- could. Yeah. It's real. Right in the heart. You're a fucking tough guy. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I meant to tell you that. And then we had Scotty coming in, but. Yeah, I wish I could have got a picture of him because I would have posted it. Oh These my two God. just told each other. Yeah, how do you drive home? <laughs> All right. Get, Uber, go over. Yeah. Mom, good luck. Yeah, good luck. Don't let put the your, door. Put your credit card in, asshole. I, I just, I was stunned. I was like, I can't, I can't imagine my mom or my dad ever. And they said back and forth like three times to each other. Yeah. But it was right about here. You, know, you should see it from my point of view. Just shut the fuck up. And I was like, oh, again. Oh, my God. 
Well, you know me, yeah. the overly fucking dramatic on every. Oh God, what are you doing? She carried you around for nine months. Oh my God. Yeah, that was it. Hey, right. want to mention Kyle Fluger? Kyle Fluger, of course, doing great things. Look, he can help you out with your website. Everybody knows, man, this is the way things are done. The other day, man, I think it was yesterday morning, on a Sunday, on, on Father's Day, I'm up early in the morning, it's dark out, it's like 4.30 in the morning, all of a sudden, Jeff, I hear a noise outside of my house. What, what, hang on, let me guess. I'm going to guess, hang on, I'm going to guess it was a leopard. What do you think I thought it was? Oh, I guarantee you, I think you think it was a uh, burglar. I thought someone was still in my catalytic converter, because that seems like oh, the big shit, thing that right? everyone's going for. right. That came running out of the house like, like a madman, dude. It was a fucking Amazon guy. Oh, what's he doing? He's dropping off an automatic air pump that I bought for my car just to keep in the car in case I have a tire issue. And I was like, I completely forgot I ordered it, but I'm like, what the fuck are you doing dropping this off at 4.30 in the morning? I ran right by the package, running around the car looking for whoever the hell's trying to steal this catalytic converter that never existed. But the whole time it was the Amazon guy. God. That's what I'm talking about. The websites that work right there. Kyle Fluger's your guy. 619-500-6621. 619-500-6621. Yeah, uh, the Amazon guy loves me because I got a friend coming to town from Toronto who is uh, having things delivered to my house. Yeah. So I have like 40 things delivered. I was like, I don't drive an 18-wheeler anymore. Yeah, what the hell? Get, but get so a, fun. You buy yourself a Sprinter? Yeah, but it's great because it's all these uh, medical things. So I'm like, I need to try this out. And I've been told, don't try that out. Just leave it alone. all the tape. Just fucking around. Yeah. Making yourself into a mummy. Yeah. (laughs) Putting putting, uh, tape over my eye like Rocky. Uh, You know, putting that on. I'm trying to tape my hands. Yeah. And it doesn't work right. It looks like I, you know, like I'm, like I'm missing a finger or something. And, um, but no, it's good. (laughs) And oh, uh, but to Fluke's point. Uh, Flugs will help you because e-commerce, Dave, we are. We buy things, we ship things sure all do. the time. And uh, incredibly busy time for Kyle, but make sure you jump in and get on his wait list. All right, here we go right here. We're going June 19th. How old are they and how much are they worth? We have three of them for you. First one is no longer with us. It's Lou Gehrig. Oh, dude. Oh, shoot. I will say 117. 120. Hey, not bad. <laughs> not bad at all. Dude, 4 million? Dude, you're really good at this. 3 million. Really? Yeah. Holy shit, man. That's I would never guess you would have been close to either one of those questions. All right, next one up. I'm not going to lie. This is shock. She's not a celebrity pool yet. It's Paula Abdul. Dude, I love Paula Me Abdul. Me too. Let me ask you this. If Paula Abdul said, you're a single guy. Yeah. Throw me one, 100%. Paula Abdul said... <laughs> Drive me to Fallbrook. Yeah. Because drive me to Fallbrook. Yeah. I'm not making any promises, but we'll see what happens. I'm in. But hang on. Okay. But three, I'm going to give you three people. Two of them you can never talk to again. Okay. (laughs) Goes through your head, dude. All fucked up. But, and I'm not even promising that anything's going to happen to Fallbrook. I may get out of the car and say, gone. Yeah. But you still can't talk to these people for a year. Okay. Okay. First one is trying to think about people that we actually talk to a lot. First one is uh, Sean Walchiff. Could you cut Walchiff off for a year? Can I tell him why I cut him off? Or just, I just, Uh, no, because you can't talk to him. him. That's (laughs) tough. That's a tough one, dude. 
Okay, wait. Let me give you all three. Yeah. You got to cut okay. out two. Okay. Walchef, Ernie Martinez. Okay. Or uh, Erica. All right. I would I would not ruin the relationship with the Walchef. You wouldn't understand. Ernie and Erica are right, Gone. Both these. <laughs> gone. Okay, what if she says... Dude, it I, would drive Erica crazy, too. Thinking that I, Why is he still talking to Laura, but he won't talk to me? But now it's going to amp up. Now yeah. we're going to ratchet up, okay? Yeah. Again, you're a single guy. You're not married to, to Rita. By the way, happy okay. birthday to Rita from the other day. Uh, now Paula says, listen, I'm going to shorten the drive a little bit, okay? okay. We're going to drive to Poway. You're guaranteed. And hang out for the morning. We'll go to breakfast. But... You have to cut off one or the other for 14 months, not just a year, 14 months. You can say good with one, but the other one's out. Fangirl or Erica, but it's a guaranteed. Oh, yeah, they're gone. No, you got one stays, one goes. It's like, oh, uh, I gotta, I gotta, yeah, it's I, like I, Sophie's oh, choice. Oh, I got to dump one of them? Yeah, it's Paula's choice. Oh, that's tough. That's a tough one. I'd be Erica. Laura doesn't talk near as much shit. Be gone. Wouldn't even think twice. Tell Paula, just stop by, get some of those Listerine strips. <laughs> I tell her, hey, <laughs> although I'm not going to repeat it. Yeah. I just told her her tweet yesterday was the funniest shit I've read in two years. I almost, Might as well repeat it. She's, I, it's, Why not? it's great. She wrote it. You didn't write it about her. I'm sitting there and people are so nice on Father's Day and I'm seeing yeah. all these posts and you're seeing posts to dads. You're seeing posts from kids to dads. You're seeing posts. My God, my friend Stephen Quadros, the fight professor, I love him. His father passed away yesterday. Oh, my friends Ty and Dante, their mom had a baby boy yesterday. Oh, I mean, well. it was complete circle of life going on. And then I look at that lunatic, and Erica writes, I want to wish happy Father's Day to everybody I've called daddy the last few years. So See, I was like, Jesus Christ. See, immediately in my head, is like, this is why I'm glad I didn't have a daughter. Right. If my daughter wrote that, I, I told her, I, I said, out. put her in the Hall of Fame immediately. And yeah. then she sent me a video of, of her mom yelling at her. And I swear to God, I laughed during that too. <laughs> I told her, I go, that's the funniest. And uh, our friend Pirate was like, I don't know if that's the way you intended it. She's like, 100%, that's how I intended it. Uh, of course, it. She, does she know her? Come on, we all figured it out. Oh, my God, that was funny. But all yeah, right. I'd still cut her off. How old is Paula Abdul? Oh, God. 58? 61. Nah, yeah, still no problem. Yeah, okay. Still no problem. It's like, um, uh, still, she's so Dude, far. you'd be that guy every time you walked in her room. That's the guy that banged Paula Abdul. 100%. You know why? Because I'd be the one who told you. <laughs> Hey, you guys remember me? Yeah, yeah we know. Well, well, just in case, anybody new here? No, stupid. The same guys that see every day. Paul Abdul, buddy. You see my license plate frame? Yeah. I'd rather be begging Paul Abdul again. Yeah, straight up. <laughs> straight up. I'm sure you got a Laker girl on your resume, don't you? Oh, you don't? Hmm. Uh, she is worth... I'm gonna say she's worth 13 million. 30 million. Damn. Yeah, 30 million. I'll, I'll blow. I'll get. I'll blow off. Excuse me. Holy God. Pause. I'll blow off Laura, Erica, Ernie, Walchef, the whole group. No problem. All right. Last one. Boris Johnson, world leader. 
Oh, shit. One of the fucked up hair? Yeah. God damn. I'm going to be way off on this. I'll say 58. 59. Okay. Uh, 7 million. Dude, a lot more. Really? Yeah. Oh, he's from London, right? Yeah. So the pound to dollar, I'll say uh, $25 million. $89 million. What the fuck he do to make the, all that dude, money? That's what they say about our politicians, too. Yeah, no kidding. All right, five random questions. Where did you see your first major league game? Uh, first major league game was Met Stadium, Minneapolis, Eddie Baines' major league debut. He was wow. um, he was like the phenom, kind of like Mackenzie Gore, Jake Peavy. Yeah. Uh, kind of funny over the weekend. Um. I think 50 years ago today was Dave Winfield's Major League debut. And 50 years ago, the 16th, I think, was Randy's Major League debut. Um, But I remember as a kid, Eddie Bain was like Jake Peavy or Mackenzie Gore. He was going to be the guy, man. Met Stadium was packed. And I don't think he did very well. No. Where were you? Dodger Stadium. Who'd you see? Do you remember? I think it was Rick Roden was on the hill at the Man. time, but it was the it was the Dodgers. I didn't understand shit. I was explaining this to Josh yesterday because we were obviously at Dodger Stadium. Yeah, and I was saying literally, I think we were sitting um, reserve section, which is like the third section oh, yeah. up level up. It's up there. It's a second from the top. And I remember looking around the warning track, and I thought the players had to run all the way around the warning track to score. And I'm like, no one's well, gonna ever fucking score. Yeah, this is two weeks ago, by the way. Um, and so. But none. My parents. No one explained to me how this game fucking worked. Really? Yeah, that's what I was saying to Josh. I go. Nobody explained. Hey, see those white squares? They got to touch yeah. those. That's why it's called baseball. No yeah. one fucking said shit. That's great. What Eat your great fucking friend. hot dog, you asshole. And yeah, shut, shut up. up. That was basically it. Shut up. Oh, you want a hat? You're not gonna get a hat. No, shut up. <laughs> um. Uh, the other thing that I remember is I went to a game, Twins game. Neighbor, it's like when neighbors could take yeah. kids to the game. And I went, we sat behind home plate at the old Mets stadium. And I was like 10 rows behind home plate. Yeah. Jeff Burroughs playing for the, he was either, did Jeff Burroughs play for the Rangers? He did, won MVP with the Rangers in 74. Dude, he hit a line drive that came back and it's when the nets were low behind yeah. home plate. And line drive comes back and there's a woman about, 18 rows behind me in a section to the left talking. Who knows what about? Next thing you know, guess what she's saying? Ouch. (laughs) Right off the head. Dude. Man, her head split like a grape. And they, I I remember like everybody paused for like 14 seconds. (laughs) And the next page. Nobody gave a shit. Yeah, she's down. Probably in a plaid pantsuit like. Betty White and your favorite Mary Tyler Moore. They just putty knifed her onto a stretcher, ran her out of there. I think Jeff Burrows probably lined one to center. And we just, ah, come on. <laughs> Nobody cared. She, I I still remember that. She, ah. Oh, right, her a, her head was turned to the left talking. She got smoked right in the head. Here's a question for you. Do you think uh, Dodger Stadium exists in 20 years? Do you think they tear oh. it down and build, build a new one? Uh, yeah, I think Dodgers Stadium's still here with the money they're yeah. putting into it. I'm yeah. kind, kind of curious. Like Wrigley and, and Fenway and all that. Yeah. Well, the thing is, like, you know, I love Dodgers Stadium Although they, because they it was they my first Yankee stadium. Stadium. 100%. I was saying to Josh, I go, there's so much land in that parking lot. Remember right. they were talking about the NFL Stadium in there at one point. But I think Frank McCourt, when he sold the team, kept the wonder. parking lot. 
because the parking lot needs to be repaved. Like you can see, like, hey, the stadium's not holding up okay because they put so much money into it. Yeah. But then I said to Josh, LA likes new things. I mean, so far, yeah. Stadium kind of set the bar out. Would not surprise me if Dodger Stadium was was one day gone. Yeah. You know, you could literally build it at the same time, keep that one going and, and yeah. build one in the parking lot. Maybe they do. I mean, yeah. shit, Dave, if you replace Yankee Stadium, you could replace that. Yeah, true. It's interesting. Dodgers have never won a World Series inside Dodger Stadium. Wow. You know, the one time they won at home was in Texas. They were in the white uniform. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The Dodgers have never won a Game 7 World Series game like that. Dude, they, that's that, crazy. That, that's it. All right, here we go. Um, how many baseball stadiums, ballparks have you been to? I don't know the exact number, but um, two weeks from today, I'll be in San Francisco. I'll be there for Giants. I guess the Giants, White Sox. Two weeks yesterday, I see no. I see A's, White Sox on Sunday. Yeah. Giants, Mariners. Two weeks from tonight, July third. Yeah. Because Jack Cade and I are flying up there. I'm doing the same thing in September. Doing that same move. I'm just seeing A's, Tigers on a Sunday. Okay. And I'm seeing Padres, Giants. On a Monday? On a Monday. Yeah. It worked out because we've got the holiday weekend. Um, I got to figure it out. I've been to I've been to a lot. Yeah. Um, but now, next year, next summer, our, our plan is to go to Chicago. So we'll go to... That's cool. I'll be, at, I'll be at Wrigley, I think it's six weeks from tonight. Yeah. I'm in Wrigley. But Jack won't be on that trip with me, so he wants to go to all of them. So I think next summer our plan is to do Cubs, White Sox, Milwaukee, and then start going. So he now will have Arizona and all the Californias. Yeah. But, I mean, I've been to Seattle. So I don't think – I haven't been to Seattle. I don't see myself getting there. Josh has yeah. seen uh, Mariners, Padres this year. Yeah, I've been there. Um, you know, been been to a lot. Yeah. But um, – I want to go to Denver. Believe it or not, I want to see Coors Field. So funny because Julie Brownman, she didn't invite me. Said, "Come out and go to." We talked about it. Go out and go see Sting at Red Rocks on the twenty first. But there's a part of me that would rather go the ninth, which is a couple of weeks before, because the the Rockies are home against the Giants, and on Sunday the Broncos take on uh, Washington. Okay. So, do I go see Sting at Red Rocks, where it's about 300 a ticket? Fuck that, dude. Oh, let's be honest here. Even if you got into Sting for free, how many Sting songs can you put up with? Actually, he plays. he's playing all his hits. Not none of that crazy bullshit? We went through that phase? Well, I, like I was told today, he's closing the deal for eight hours at a time. Yeah, he is. That's ridiculous. So, he too. may drop. Yeah, that's, that's crazy, too. But Red Rocks is kind of the whole deal, yeah, right? To it. see it at the God venue. So, I don't know. After a few plays if you love somebody set them free set me free give me the fuck out of here give me a fuck out of here <laughs> i don't think you can put up with Gordon. it you get bored so <laughs> you get bored so fast i, know, I can see you go let's get the fuck out of here let me tell you man the altitude drinks go a little quicker <laughs> all right how many times a day do you brush your hair like do you ever none. do you ever keep a comb in your back pocket going to school oh yeah i yeah, think so I probably about sixth grade yeah i did too your uh, jeans had like that that mark from it, keeping a comb yeah. in it. Yeah. Dave, I just kept a pick because I wanted to fit in. <laughs> Didn't you? Uh, like literally, nowadays, you just come here in the morning never yeah, touch it, right? It. Yeah. yeah. Same thing for me. I know, it's shocking, right? <laughs> I love when I get a haircut. I'm overdue for one. The girl's like, do you want any product in there? No. Me alone. 
What about you? How many times? Dude, number one, I wear a hat 90% of the time. So, like, there are times I get my hair cut. I'm like, I don't think I ever comb my hair in the in the entire time yeah. I got my hair cut. No, um, that's fine. I do have them wash it though. Like, I'll they'll wash it before they cut it, and they'll, they'll, after they cut, it, I go wash it out. Like, I don't want fucking loose hairs that, all over uh, my clothes. Sport clips got a little expensive, but but that VIP treatment's pretty nice. There you go. That's, Steam towel, felt <laughs> <all> good. <laughs> that's funny. How many times a day do you brush your teeth? Uh at least twice, and there have been times where it's three. Yeah. But at I'm least not, twice. Yeah. I, I, honestly, God, man, I'm one of those guys. Every time I eat something, I have Dude, to brush gum. my teeth. Yeah. I just told I'm you. Like Tur- I'm like Turk Wendell. Just fucking brush it like a oh, madman. Dude, that guy was my hero. <laughs> yeah, there's always gum. I told you I'm going to Paula's. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And you know the good thing? This is the other thing about going to Paula's house. I just, I'll never have to hear another fucking word about my Android phone. Gone, gone. Goodbye. Out you go. Scoot. And you're not even getting a Paula gift bag. I'm not getting you a fucking lanyard. I would have, but you're too little fucking big mouse. Out you go. Goodbye. <laughs> Do you use that work phone at all? The iPhone you have? Fuck I no. knew you wouldn't. Just in my drawer. Fuck, you son of a bitch. I knew it. I like yeah. literally, I was I was thinking I'm gonna start just dumping people out that don't have an iPhone, dude. Go ahead. You fuck up every group text. Go ahead. You fuck I, us I all. I literally learned nothing in that group text. Damn it. I do laugh a lot. <laughs> okay, there you go. All right, here we go. Last questions. Okay. Can you be friends with people you work with outside of the office? Yes. I. I. Okay. I'll tell you this. I won't mention the the coworker. I have a coworker that's an absolute legend. So, we both love the Foo Fighters. Yeah. Okay. Foo Fighters are coming to Ohana. And Ohana, Dave, Dana Point. Okay. Uh, music festival. So, it's, it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday on the beach. Now, Saturday night, Eddie Vedder's there. But then Sunday night, the Foo's are there. So, I get a message today from this coworker. Hey, are we going? Are we going to Ohana for... Uh, for the foos, I go, fuck, I'm in. Well, we check, and the Sunday tickets sold out. Yeah. I go, all right, you know what? I'll uh, I'll sign us up. I'll put us on the wait list. I'll just put it on my credit card. This coworker says, no, let's do this. Let's go up. We'll probably Uber from Encinitas to Dana Point. Okay. One of us will cover it going up. The other one covers it coming back. Okay. Let's just go up there and do a, uh, what the fuck? When you go bar to bar, what the, why Bar hopping. Bar hopping. Let's bar hop Dana Point. We'll get bite to eat. We'll drink. We'll have some drinks. We'll have some fun. We'll just end up by the fence. We'll listen to it old school. And I said, okay, this person should get a lifetime contract. At, at my job immediately. Don't you want to be inside? We'd like to. Okay. I have a feeling this particular friend can probably negotiate us in way Got better it. than I can. I understand. I won't say anything else. It's the funniest shit I've ever read. And they said, just bar hop it. Let's just go and we'll get to the fence and let's see what happens. I go, holy shit. Dude. 
That sounds, it's sold out. Yeah. I mean, you want to get in. I mean, I would pay, we would have paid today. She and I were ready to pay the, the two twenty five a ticket to go today. Yeah. For, it's sold out. You can't get in. And and on StubHub, it's like five fifty a ticket. Wow. Well, we're not doing that. So that's where it was um, Uber, yeah. bar hop. Let's see what happens. I don't get it. I don't understand the whole bar hopping thing. I've done it, but I'm like, I'm in a bar that I like. Why do I want to leave? Yeah, well, and that could be too. Now, you guys were so funny the other day because I was saying, um, we've, I have a friend who's coming to town. Yeah. And it's very, very easy to go downtown and go to the trendiest bar in town. Have you ever been to Nunu's? Hold on, dude. She's never been here before. Why would you take her to this shithole? I'm not saying a shithole. This is I'm America's saying, finest city. I'm saying the coolest dive bar. There's Have you no ever been to such thing? There's no such thing. Oh, dude, I'm not a dive bar guy like you are. Where do you like to go, dude? Somewhere it's clean, or maybe a murder didn't take place, dude. I said the place. Well, she's staying at San well, Diego. People State. don't tell stories and go. I got VD in that place. Where do they have VD? Who has, still has VD? Did they get polio in there too? Fucking year are you living in? It happens. Uh, um, people are riding bareback. The uh, you rain it in, geeksters. <laughs> Is out there. Oh, sorry. Uh, I hate when you say that. I don't. Well, it ruins I, the whole show. Well, you ruined it. I love the fact that she listens, but fuck, when you pointed out that she listens, it ruins well, the show. I have to occasionally to remind you to get back on track. But the the rumor always was that the former mayor of La Mesa uh, had a few pops. Yeah, at the Chico Club. Then may have taken a little CS down the sidewalk, yeah. and guess what? He got reelected. Who knows shit happens at the uh, shit happens at the Chico Club. Yeah, but you go to the Chico Club. The drinks are cheap. It's super fun. But um, Nuno's Nuno's Dave is unbelievable, and it's just it's probably not a dive bar as much as we kind of mean like a little bit of a hole in the wall bar. Yeah, like not the trendy. Yeah, I don't need to take her somewhere where the margaritas have purple salt. You fuck. I just want to take her somewhere where she's gonna have fun. Okay. All right. Got it? All right. Do you hear me? I got you fine. All right, when are we coming back? I will be back here Wednesday night. Okay, Wednesday night. And it'll we'll be, be a lot shorter show, trust me. Jesus I'm Christ. tired. All right. See you Wednesday.
they make in the USA That guy with the attitude, he better go away Five-cent video game, put a smile on my face Last stop, sign was paralyzed, but I ran it anyway Soundproof fans and a handyman cussing on TV What Californian cuss their own Christmas tree Boy, you better watch out for that sneaky backscreen door I laugh so hard 